Hey. Right. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Post Alone. Post Alone, episode four, The Fly. Back at it again. Dan, you want to kick us off with the quote? Yep, yep. So this one's a Hippocrates quote, and it's, uh, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. Sage words. What do you think? Sage words. Actually, I always read that as hippocrates. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Crates of hippos. Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, just imagine a big barrel of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hungry, hungry, hungry hippos, right? We got a lot of hungry hippos in this episode, that's for sure. Well, speaking of food and hunger, though, so I've been trying to like put myself in the shoes of the participants and like just like a little bit here and there experiment with fasting and just like kind of eating things similar to they would, they would be eating. So I stopped eating until dinner last night and then fasted all day today, right? And I was pretty hungry. And then I had two poissons in the fridge. Do you know what a poisson is? No, I never heard of that. It's like a tiny chicken, like a little mini chicken. I don't know if it's a baby or just a small chicken. It's some French term. I got it from, there was like a sale from D'Artagnan, which is like a fancy food thing online. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so I've been fasting all day and then I ate two poissons, which for them, that would be an incredible bounty, right? To get like two little game birds. Isn't that a capon? It's well, I think a capon is like actually bigger. It's like bigger than a chicken, mm, smaller than a okay. turkey. But anyway, I I just devoured these two poissons in like 10 minutes. There's just nothing but like a few bones. And man, like it was not fulfilling. It it really made me realize. I always watch these shows being like, you know, I could do that, eat a fish, feel good. But like I just fasted for like 24 hours and ate these two birds and was like not satisfied not full was it a true 24-hour fast and then ate the birds because i was gonna say maybe your stomach hadn't like shrunk yet maybe you know so you were like putting two birds in a big vessel where they put like a squirrel in a small vessel and so it feels different maybe still they went through the process right that um what they expect certainly there's a psychological benefit to catching something but what they actually get out of it all often isn't as much and we see that a lot throughout the episode right people trying to make the most of yeah Yeah. make the most of small wins right yeah so anyway that was illuminating i guess you know maybe next time i should just put them in a pot and make like a you know you 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 get everything out of it all the marrow yeah you should do you should do a true like uh yeah get everything out like use the do these birds come skinned or, or do you have to pluck them or what's <laughs> no <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of condition they're just like your standard what you the chicken you'd get at the grocery store but tiny that's basically okay. like a like a uh, uh cornish hen yeah cornish just imagine like a really expensive tiny chicken and that's what you bought basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there you go well, they've they were, they made it pretty far. This is these episodes are seventeen day seventeen through day twenty two, and this would definitely be you know uh, the point where you're either kind of figuring it out or you really. I mean, I I, I thought that the overall attitude of everybody was pretty upbeat. For usually when participants get to about this point, 
it seems like you get a lot of negativity and these yeah. guys seem like they I, even dealing with hardship were like pretty pretty strong-willed people i'm really impressed by them. this is a starvation point right you know so you get you think two three weeks in now if you haven't got a good amount of calories this is going to really affect your mood it's going to affect how you are able to go throughout the day you know your energy level um so it's do or die you know for many of them in terms yeah, the of the body at this point i actually i'm not totally clear on like how what, at what point your body starts to eat itself and all those kinds of negative effects of under malnourishment but uh yeah, I think I think you know, three weeks in, we're 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 definitely getting there. Yeah. Well, we had a, we saw a few different participants today, right? Every episode we get a different grouping. Today we saw Mark and Callie, Roland, Joel, and Keith. Mm-hmm. And I thought we'd start and talk a little bit about Mark and his journey um, from Portland, Oregon. And we got kind of some lighthearted moments from him uh, cutting his hair. What did you guys think about that experience? Having Dan being out on the trail or just in general, right? We've been all been going through COVID times and being creative with our our haircuts. Uh, yeah. yeah, that uh, I loved the comb, right? The comb was because <laughs> you imagine like how, I, I've heard of in a book somebody making a a porcupine brush. I think that was yeah. in the Last American Man great book anyway but uh the uh yeah that that was pretty pretty rough comb though yeah i'm bald so guys i don't have these issues you know i just have a really if i was out there i would look real professorial at the end of 100 days <laughs> yes. a, or like a, or, like my, a my ben franklin was, ben franklin look yeah, yeah yeah real distinguished finish yeah. yeah my brother always told me if my hair grew out I'd look i'd look like a sound guy <laughs> just put the put the bald spot in the ponytail and yeah, that'd be good yeah but he um anyway mark mark was um dealing with tough stuff too right he he was away from uh really new kid the, the one-year-old yeah, kid just one year old yeah and it sounds like ended on amicable terms but he split up with his uh baby mama and and that's who is like yeah he's got only reverence for you know great yeah he's keeping it positive he's on camera but i imagine that was still a rocky road right and in that early stage right so yeah anyway yeah he he ended up in a situation that i don't think we've ever really seen before which is someone with exorbitant amounts of food tons of food so, so much i mean just crazy well, exorbitant amounts of fish and therefore fish oil, which we've seen that before, haven't we, Dan? <laughs> yeah, well, it just so happens I've had a, uh, some negative effects with fish oil. Uh, <laughs> these guys are just tea. You can't have too much, water. right? They can indeed have too much. You empathize with Mark and his situation there. We saw what yeah, happened so- in the sleeping bag. It was rough. Uh, yeah, I, so, yeah I had Mark, Mark had too much too much fish. Had a little accident in his sleeping bag. It was giving him the runs. Dan, you've you've had an experience with that. Can you can you tell us what happened? Well, it dates back to my my New York days. This is probably I don't know five five or six years ago at this point. But uh, there was a strength coach named Dan John. If anybody's into lifting, who said that uh, fish oil is like a panacea of you know, good health benefits and everybody has different upper limits. And so 
even though the standard recommendation is two pills, he suggests that you take an extra pill. So you start on two and then you take three uh, and then you wait a day and then you take four and then you wait a day and then you take five. And the idea is that you build up to a point where you start to feel your, your stool gets a little, uh, what do you say, a little runny. And then you go <laughs> one pill back from that. Yeah, that's how you know your upper limit. So I didn't know whether normal upper limits were like five or six or whatever. So I'm plugging away and I go up to, you know, five, six, seven. And I have, I'm a little uh, like I'm in this strength phase where I'm lifting real heavy weights. And so I was like hitting personal records and I halfway attributed to the fish oil. And so I went a little aggressive and instead of waiting a day, I just always added a new uh, number on. So I went seven, eight, nine kept going all the way up until uh, day 14, <laughs> where at this point I'm like doling out 14 pills into my hand, um, feeling like this, you know, this is weird. I, I still haven't gotten the no, no level of change in my bowel movements. But uh, on day 15, um, <laughs> I, I ended up waking up, or I, as a trainer, you have a weird schedule where you work, you know, kind of all day. And so you sleep where you can. And my ritual is normally to take the fish oil at night, but for whatever reason on day 15, I decided to take it in the morning and cool. uh, went to work, went to sleep, ended up taking another 15 at night, forgetting <laughs> that that, that uh, morning episode happened. I was like, well, I got to take the fish oil. And then the next morning I woke up and I was feeling a little ill, but not too bad. And it was supposed to be day 16. And I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to play it cool. And so I just took 15 instead. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, you're like 45 pills deep in a 24 hour period. Is that yeah, right? it's literally yeah, 24 hours, 45 fish oil in the belly. And by like 3 p.m., I was sick as a I was like, I got to go home. I don't know what's wrong. And I was like, man, it must be just a stomach ache. But get home. I said, I'll just sleep it off. No problem. And I woke up in soiled underwear <laughs> just <laughs> straight up shit shit the bed uh and not in a, in a not in like an embarrassing way like oh like i should have you know done something about it in a i couldn't have possibly held it it was all it was just pure liquid pure that's what it seemed liquid. like with mark because you know that he I'm wasn't sure gonna he wasn't way. wanting uh, he only has one sleeping bag he's not gonna want to soil his shelter right he was just so dude. for that you know, to happen in your sleeping bag would be terrible cool. Yeah. But yeah, how do you wash was, that out, on, right? It went on for days. I mean, it was for me, it was days, like a whole week of having diarrhea, and it, and I didn't think about eating moss as a. Uh, so you could have maybe done some celery or some other type of roughage there, but uh, yeah, you're very limited, right? They had to really good thing he had that knowledge, but um, very yeah, limited. Yeah, my in what my you city my city fix was to um, after like five days, I got some of that Pepto Bismol. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe this will fix it. And he would have killed for some Pepto. Pepto <laughs> oh. <laughs> was, and then when it turned black, I went to the doctor and I said, you know, I got a problem. I'm, there's black, you know, I'm, sh I'm shitting black. And uh, sh the doctor was just real straightforward. She's like, why don't you just eat normal fish? <laughs> well, and that's what I, I thought about that quote from you, Dan. And then I thought his situation that that's not ultimately a solution either, right? Because if you're just eating fish, that's also a problem.
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just eat a healthy, balanced diet and some fish? But anyway, it shows us yeah, the challenges I, I totally, here, getting that balance, right? Getting the balance in the. Yeah, diet. I totally, I totally relate to um, Mark's Man, experience. So that was brutal. I love that story though, and you're just you're telling her about the fish oil regimen, and the response is just why don't you just eat more fish? <laughs> yeah. She didn't know that I was deadlifting up to, you know, I was on my 500 pound deadlift and <laughs> happily attributing my success to, uh, to this fish. It's oil. A placebo, like, I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you could see that with Mark too. You know, he wasn't thinking in a balanced way. He was thinking he had this glut of a resource and he was just going ham, right. Just really consuming, consuming, consuming and not, anticipating you know that's not what something he'd done before right what that would do to his digestive system so everyone's going through new experiences um so then we you know transitioning a little bit the next person we saw we didn't see her so much last episode was Callie uh from Montana and she had a hard time in our last encounter with her finding a shelter right she had the wind the was battering shelter. her this time she takes a gamble. She's a little farther away from the water, gets that shelter going, does the classic A-frame we've seen with a few participants, puts the spruce boughs over the tarp for some insulation. Um, so it looks like she's getting a little bit more stability, but who knows where she goes from here. One thing is now we're kind of a few weeks in, right? Time seems to be a factor. Everyone keeps talking about winter is coming, they have to stock up on food, they have to do certain things to get them in a good position if they're going to go for 100 days. You know, this isn't like our classic alones that we've seen before. It's, it's a specific timeline that they have. Um, so everyone has that in the back of their mind. Yeah. Then she has this dream, right, about this turtle. And, I, and that was pretty profound, right, that like the tortoise in the hair, she doesn't have to rush things necessarily she can take her time right she can right. go slow and steady make progress and as long as she sticks to her game plan she has a good shot i but, could i could really relate to that too and, and, any, and i was hiking the trail you know and every, you know, hiking the appalachian trail is like people are like man five months had you do that and it's like you just do one day and then you deal right. with the next day and you just it's always one step at a time yeah, I, I I love her demeanor and her perspective. She's so kind of go with the flow, happy-go-lucky, and just seems to have a really great attitude about everything. But you can't help but worry a little bit that, man, it's going to get cold fast. It's going to, you know, the weather's going to change, the game's going to dry up, and is she going to be prepared for that? You know, she she's she's not really in any sense of urgency, which – you know, maybe that'll work for her because she's really kind of just melding in with the natural environment and kind of going with the flow. But on the other hand, uh, you know, people like Roland are just like almost frantically preparing for the cold coming and like, uh, you know, taking more of an adversarial approach to the environment, like, like putting up a castle against it and, you know, putting stockpiling, whereas as she just has a totally different strategy and not strategy, almost just like habit of like what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, like making she, play pots and like, uh, she does the snares, right. Which gives her more passive 
way of catching food, she's comfortable with it. I think everyone has to go with their sort of comfort zone and what they can do. She chose the snare wire, which she brought with her, obviously gets the rabbit, kind of a weird episode there where she's skinning it. We learn a little bit about her history where she didn't want to eat meat until she could learn to catch it. Uh, so we yeah. see that connection with kind of uh, sort of a native, you know, live off the land, but give back to the land sort of a philosophy. Uh, then she blows those lungs up like a balloon. You know, what did you guys think of that? That's not <laughs> kind of the first instinct, right, of people maybe when they're kind of breaking down a, a kill. She's done that before. That's the thing. She's, <laughs> this isn't the first time on that. That was... That was for the that was for the audience. You know? That's an old that's an old parlor trick amongst yeah. these. Who hasn't blown up a pair of rabbit lungs? <laughs> Check this out, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we just see her with this, you know, massive collection of clay balls, right? She really goes all out with the well, clay. She's, she's really doing the things she's good at, is what it seems like. The snares, she's clearly a, a badass at setting up those and knowing where to put them. The clay pot, she's even got like the different like scalloped edges for more surface area and, and yeah. I mean like advanced potting strategies and stuff. She's altering be, her clay mix to make it more resistant to heat and things like that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm honestly like, I really, I like her character. I want to, um, you know, want to say, I think she's going to be like seriously long lasting, but I do think that the, sh the slow on the shelter, when you consider like, Maybe it's not too late. I mean, it's yeah. Didn't they say like what's what's the um, time frame right now before big big time winter hits? Do we know how much longer? Well, cool. they said that the you know she was catching the rabbit and the color on the fur is changing. Oh, that's from right. gray to white, which yeah. means that there's like, I think only a, a month left. Uh, is yeah, they said. Before. Yeah, they're, they're preparing to blend in with snow, right? We're at a transition time, right? Because we did see with the rabbits that their fur is going from dark to light. We saw there's still insects around, but also we got our first snowfall. So we can definitely see there's some changing things happening there. So it's definitely accelerating for many, I think, the urgency to get some things set up. Um, I mean, honestly, in contrast to her role in is the the big contrast where one of the first things he says is how you know he's not interested in making knickknacks uh right. and all that kind of bullshit he's like you remember that from last episodes right and past seasons rather where people would make chess sets they do different games these things to kind of these psychological gambits that they would run to try to keep themselves engaged or from really facing the intensity of being alone, but he's someone who has been alone most of his life, right? I mean, he has some connections with family, but he's more comfortable in that scenario. So his priorities are different. He's not as concerned as others with sort of the, you know, the cushy things or the finer things that help him get through mentally. He's concerned with just that cold is a bitch and we got to, you know, yeah. <laughs> deal with it. Even Roland like is growing on me, man. He's uh, he's so funny. He's he he reminds me of so many characters from movies or shows I've seen. I think I mentioned last time. He's like he could be straight out of the Revenant or like some zombie apocalypse movie. You come upon him and he's just like so practical and like out for himself. And uh, he's just a tough sob, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not without emotions too. We saw him in the last episode. Obviously, he cares about people. He had a tough experience kind of losing his mom but uh 
at the same time, he took from her, right, this kind of hardened, focused, singularly focused uh, viewpoint. And that's what he's in now, right? Is this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I have to, to make it happen. And uh, he's not going to let anything distract him from that. And so things he was willing to take some risks too. Yeah, we saw yeah. him there with his fishing, which finally became successful. It was great to see, but he was willing to, to switch things up and go to a place that felt dangerous, right? Danger Rock, he even named, named it at the end of the episode there really getting down into that deep water. Um, Which paid off. He got too gigantic. It paid off, yeah, right? That like risk versus reward. That's always a kind of a mental calculus that people are going through. I just, what do you I think like about that. his fishing, Blake? About how he he did go for that deeper water and he was willing to take that risk? Did you? I mean, yeah, I thought that was super smart. Um, that was definitely worth the risk. And I, I just think that fishing, unless you get that down, you're not you're not going to survive. Like you need to be catching fish now before it freezes over to get a good stockpile going. If you're, if your gill net's not working, you need to find a deeper spot or a drop off. I mean, fish have patterns and they're schooling. And at the time of year, depending on the water temperature, you might need to try a few different things. And that's something that Keith didn't do. He had his, uh, his lines laid out and he was just like sticking to that. Wasn't getting anything the whole time. And, you know, he should have tried something different. And I, I think Wasn't that's willing a to adapt. Yeah. After yeah, you get a couple of days role. of data, right? You should know a little bit of the patterns. And they did mention an interesting fact in the text today, right? That they're going into winter, which is a really tough kind of limbo in terms of fishing because you're going from being able to fish on the bank to being able to fish through the ice. But it can take up to, I think they said four weeks or something like that for the lake to freeze over. So there's going to be a definite period of uncertainty that everyone's going through and they're going to have to adapt to in the future. So we'll be. How many, how many of... pounds of fish did the guy say he had when he was chewing on that moss? Did you remember? <laughs> well, I, I think he said he caught 27 fish. They had a okay. caption, okay. 27 fish. So I mean, compare that to the two that Roland's caught by now and the zero that Keith's caught. And that's uh, pretty impressive. But... Right, right. Yeah, I think Roland at one point when he said, I think he's actually done the math. He, he said, I got two more fish. I just need about, I can't remember the number, but I think there is like, if you kind of do the math about the calories. said about 21. Yeah. 21 yeah. There's, more there's fish. a number that, that if you get those and if you can preserve them, it could theoretically last you a hundred days on your yeah. fat reserves and on other things. If you just get a certain number of fish, mm. you know what I mean? I remember starting to do the math on that. I was like, so that's like one fish every like five days. I think he, he said it was like, if I get like 20 more, 19 more of those or 20 more of those. Right. Well, you can see that we didn't see a lot of him this episode, but when we saw him, it was towards the end of the 21 days. So we skipped, jumped ahead with him and he hadn't eaten very much, right? So his disposition and how he was reacting was someone who had eaten basically nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and he finally got those fish. You can imagine how impactful that was, but he kept it pretty cool compared to some of the other folks. So that was interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, I gonna, Joel. I was gonna say the, the South African guy is real cool. He, uh, yeah. that, that whole scene with, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's kind of, he's a quirky guy, right? He, but he's like, he's a natural teacher. He wants to show you all the stuff he knows. He was talking to the muskox head last episode. We know he's a little bit of a ham for the camera, right? Right. But yeah, apparently 
crushing the game on on rabbits and um yeah i just i like he's like i mean his his whole dealing with that fly situation to me was unbelievable because i i still don't understand how that's possible though because i started thinking i was like it must be like a really small fly like not like a gad fly. he said it was like still flying around in his ear canal i could see how i guess it was just like buzzing mm-hmm. but how does that happen i've never heard of that happening yeah Dude, that's a seems... worst nightmare of mine is having something i told uh amanda this the other night where i'm like oh yeah i had like a nightmare that there's something in my ear and i had to pick it right. out you it's can like, imagine he talked about it a little bit, like even just getting water stuck in here, how frustrating that is. And this is like that 10x, right? With a buzzing, you know, it's insane. And, Not and even they, that, but then it 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 dies and then it decomposes and it becomes a terrible infection. Terrible ear infection. Can you oh dude? Yeah. I really hope do you guys think he like water got it out or you think there's a dead fly in his ear right now because he didn't see it's it. unclear he felt relief right but it's unclear whether it came out or not he never actually found it like, but he well, definitely felt right. relieved um, yeah but the timeline if you follow the the time from when it started to the end it was over three hours that he was trying all those different techniques That's insane. so you can imagine three awesome. hours of dealing with that discomfort and that uh this is again this anxiety. is why he might be a really good player in the game is because he the, the ability to deal with adversity i mean that's terribly uncomfortable annoying and has nothing to do with the game or your, i mean like you're just dealing with this pure well his ability to be flexible and go through different levels of solutions too whereas you saw kind of some of the other people they confront a problem they try a solution if it doesn't work they kind of panic and they they let go here he he goes with first the pliers right he's worried about damage to the eardrum stops it the light he doesn't feel very confident but he tries it for a while anyway doesn't work then he goes to that irrigation syringe so he had multiple ways of dealing with one problem that was so unexpected right and that was pretty uh, amazing. It spoke yeah, to his strength for sure. Me, it reminds me of you dealing with menus incredibly successfully. <laughs> Scott Lloyd, for the record, I'll go on record as saying Scott Lloyd can navigate through the most annoying uh, landscapes of electronics menus and whether it's Xbox or some internet thing or whatever, it, it's uncanny. It's and true. So I would, I it would takes a lot of perseverance, right? We see that with our participants, but it's true. You want to do some of the simplest things these days with technology, and certainly they are speaking to the simplicity that comes with being alone or out in the wilderness. Um, but at the same time, we hear at the end, right, the frustration with, hey, you're out there having the experience, but you have to carry all this camera equipment and these tripods, and it's, Roland says, it's like kind of working with a hand tied behind your back. You got to bring the safety right. equipment. You got to bring the sat phones. You got to bring all the stuff. God, that um, would be, yeah, that'd be rough. So even if you're going out for a little fishing, you know, trip, it's, it's a big deal. Um, but with regard to the menus, I was just con- confronting that today. I got a video game, tried to play it. It took about 35 minutes by the time I got everything installed. Those and the best uh, games. They're so yeah. fun. I didn't to- want to play it at all afterwards. So that, that's where we're yeah. at, right? Like, what's the balance? Like, I was done. <laughs> um, and certainly, yeah, that's that perseverance. People work at things for a while, but are they able to stay kind of singularly focused on that goal 
and keep going when they hit those roadblocks. And so whether you're talking about menus, or you're talking about catching fish, certainly something we see psychologically with, with some of our, our participants here. Last thing about Joel, he talked a little bit about his dreams, right? And how those provided an escape from kind of that experience of being alone. He got to interact with oh. the sun. He's a little frustrated because his dreams didn't really obey his will all the time, but the eating, the socializing, all those things that are so limited and we see people struggling with in your yeah. dreams, you get a little bit of a taste for that. So in some ways that's indulgent and in other ways it's a big letdown, right? When you come back to reality. So we see that. Yeah, it's hard um, to tell whether that would actually be psychologically helpful or would that just be more like a tease that drives you insane you know depends on the person i think really what if uh what if it could be like a lucid dream where he could kind of stay in it and have you guys heard of that or have you ever experienced that i felt I've like he was semi-lucid like he was aware that he was dreaming but he still lacked control of which way that he went that he couldn't kind of hang on he tried to hang on to that experience with being with his son and then something happened and he was diverted so you know what he should do is just start napping more throughout the day to get practice you know and that lucidity <laughs> everyone else is building shelters he's just laying out rolling wouldn't be cool with that yeah no, no rolling, <laughs> all that bullshit <laughs> i am out here dreaming and making knickknacks knickknacks and lucid dreaming well let's close out with keith from Kentucky here, Sturgis. He was really struggling and we're here, we're three weeks in when we're starting the episode going towards four and he's just not getting a lot of calories. You know, you're seeing other people are catching fish. Like you said, he's having trouble adapting. He's not having success with his, his fishing methods. Um, he hasn't ate much, right? Uh, so he's really been subsisting off of very minimal calories through moss and lichens and, and gross stuff. We see him kind that of like, trying to pretend that it's disgusting. it's something good, but it's just a gross mush, right? It's, Wait, what was it's that really... called? Like rock tripe or something? Or... Right, yeah. rock tripe. Yeah. And even the, the oh. tripe is uh, giving it too much credit, right? Because there's no kind of fat or animalness about it other than just the chewiness, I guess, that yeah and then and then he you know and we've seen this happen in past seasons where you know he gets a squirrel he right. eats his it. snare pulls off it's it's yeah. looking positive super happy and then man it just takes him down fast and i think in another season someone got like a muskrat or something and you know within a few hours they were done in this case the squirrel obviously took him down like was there, what I'm wondering is like, is there something you could do about it? Did he not cook it enough or was it just a bad squirrel? No matter how much you cook it, it just has some kind of parasite or virus in it. And you're just, you could crisp the hell out of it. And it's still. Yeah. Well, he boiled it. Remember he, so he, I, I maybe, I think the safest way to cook things is cook the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. Put them over a fire and totally just burn them because then you get your, your safest bet, but that is going to not give you nearly as many right. um, nutrients, calories, and, and all the things that they're hoping to get out of a small win like that. Yeah, that's tough, right, though? Yeah, if you cook off a lot of the substance, then you lose some of the calories. And with the squirrel, you're dealing with 
very minimal, right? I think they've shown in past episodes when people are eating mice and stuff, you're talking like 200 something calories, right? So when you haven't eaten for two weeks, that's pretty meager. Um, but he did it. I remember him, he'd eaten some of the squirrel and then he was making a broth and he did complain that the broth was kind of lukewarm. He went back oh, and yeah. he did it again. So yeah. I don't know if that was some spoke <laughs> to his larger it. process Between, that he was just anxious. <laughs> yeah, the lukewarm, the rock tripe belly, the lack of water. <laughs> I mean, this, guy, this guy's stomach was just prime for the retching. He was point. dreaming for a large pizza, right? With that fake yeah. tap out, but didn't didn't get it um yeah but then later after he tapped out he did talk about the process you know it's not just go go home and get a large pizza it's that they had to give him you know shots to help stop the cramps they had to monitor him they had to work his body back up to eating because he'd been deprived from food for so long so it's a you know this is a really intense and grueling ordeal for the body um and it doesn't come without its cost. When we see people tapping out, they are trying to weigh like what's the long-term health consequences versus what's the potential financial gain. Yeah, um, I mean, whoever Keith, it is, they require some some rehab. Whether it's Keith today, you know, in terms of the stomach, or whether we're talking about Corey and his knee, you know, a couple episodes ago, um, people have long, you know, long-term. Well, yeah, think about the the people in the past that have been pulled for you know, they're, they're starving and they're showing evidence of they're like starting to eat their internal organs. Imagine what that recovery process is like. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Corey with his fluid filled sack. (laughs) He showed (laughs) to the camera. That meniscus did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it looks like we got some, I was just got some scenes. Yeah. I agreed with uh, the tap out on Keith, no doubt. Like if you guys have ever been sick in the woods or just alone, it's like, yeah, tap, tap central on that. So. Stomach, stomach cramps are a really difficult thing to deal with. It just takes your whole mindset, your whole body. You can't think about anything else. Um, Weak and tired. So I, I and feel just... that like that just, you can't, kind of carry on with that like if you have a headache you have a muscle ache or something else the stomach cramps it's it's all consuming right you just you have to stop so that's that made some sense that's a shame speaking of stopping (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're kind of reaching the end of the episode here we've rounded out each of our characters we got a couple of glimpses at the end into who we're going to see next week hopefully we'll get some more time with amos and some of our other characters Kylan as well. Um, but it's been good wrapping up the episode with you guys and weaving in our own uh, experiences here, even though they don't quite line up, but they've uh, beware, certainly added beware some the color. Fish oil. Beware the fish oil, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Omega 3s, Omega, you know, yeah. diapers. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this version of Post Alone on episode four, The Fly? Uh, well, I did want to wander into a, one little hypothetical topic that might be a little, not sensitive, but uh, uh, controversial. But I, I thought it'd be funny as I was watching like 
which of these characters, like, where would they fall on the political lines? Like, we got the election and all the controversies, and I couldn't help but thinking, like, man, Roland's a Trump supporter. He's Roland's got- a Trumper. <laughs> Callie is a Biden girl. Callie's yeah. a Biden, or maybe even Bernie. I don't know. She's got a little. Yeah, she's Bernie. a Bernie girl. Yeah. And then but Joel. She, but she'll vote Biden. Yeah. Joel's got to be a Nelson Mandela, right? <laughs> <laughs> is he a citizen though can he vote yet i don't know that's, that's a question he might just be a permanent resident i most definitely didn't vote <laughs> i think that's bright like are these people even care right are they even voting like there's some people a lot of people who are just disinterested right well you could absentee from uh from just about anywhere so. yeah, anyway i didn't mean to take it into a tangent but that i just couldn't help but wonder that that's a good uh, question yeah. how people line up keep up kind of keep off my land and kind of free uh, libertarian sort of a feel versus uh, didn't seem like anyone here really needs much government assistance, right? They're they're pretty independent overall, whether they are more kind of socially conscious or more libertarians. uh, Yeah, right. Open. They all seem to have that definite, yeah, more of a libertarian uh, (laughs) hands-off type of an approach. I'll do my own. <laughs> I wonder if they uh, they could have mailed in ballots, you know? <laughs> From Sla- Great Slave Lake. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. Good chatting, guys. I'll see you next week. all right guys yeah episode five everybody take care good chatting with you we'll talk soon peace